in working on our understanding of the role of the church in the individual, I hope you're beginning to understand that, that the, the church is really just as potent as the individual is. As the collection of individuals, as they understand the vision of God and the mission of God, and they step into that. But today I'm going to give you really five different ways that people uh, can go in the vision and mission of God. I think you're going to find, as we look at this, it is, it is a road. Uh, one of these five is probably one you are on. And so hopefully it is helpful to look at it this way. You see, as we've discussed, God has a vision and, and his vision, God's vision is to restore mankind and creation back to himself. That mankind would be reunited in relationship with the Father. This is, this is powerful and it's important. That we understand this is the core. This is the essence of what God is after. That, that relationship is restored. That we are in communion with God, we're in contact with God, we are, we are connecting with God emotionally, spiritually, physically, in every way, we are reunited with God. That is not always a priority of mankind, is it? It is not always a priority that God is important on those levels. But that is the vision of God, and, and by that point, it is the vision of the church. Now, very often, I used to do business things uh, uh, and, and do business consulting. There's always a lot of language about what is the vision and what is the mission of a company. I felt like we spent more time trying to dissect that, more time trying to create a differentiation. People have to have a vision statement. They have to have a mission, and you'll spend weeks them trying to get this put together. And often I break that down and say vision slash mission. But today I want to break them in two for this purpose. Because vision is ultimately the end goal. And mission is often the goals to achieve the goal. And so when we look at the mission that we would have, it might be in this world to reveal the love of God by loving, to show God's power by moving in power, praying for people, being an extraordinary people in power. We serve a supernatural God. If there is zero that is supernatural about us, it is suspicious that we are in relationship with a supernatural God. If there's nothing ever supernatural about our life, we become suspicious that we represent the supernatural. So we are moving in power. We show God's generosity by being generous. We show the transformation of God through selflessness, through sacrifice, through our ability to be someone greater and beyond ourselves in a way that the world can see and go, that is not normal. And finally, to show God's availability to everyone through the message we carry. This is the mission, the mission of the church. It's the mission of the individual. And how do we operate in that? We are able to operate in the mission because being restored in relationship with the Father through Jesus has given us uh, given every person the access to his power, to his love, his patience, his kindness, all of his attributes. It's given us that connection with his attributes. That through those attributes, we can really do what Jesus did. Through those attributes, we can do that. And what we've been saying is, this need for these attributes, not, not only to reveal God, but also to experience God. This, this, I mean, the reality is to show kindness when you're not really kind is really, really labor-intensive, isn't it? 
To, to, to be nice to someone that you really don't want to be nice to is, is heavy lifting. And if you have to do that every day, day in and day out, you can, you can lose your way on that. It can turn into bitterness. It can turn into other things. And so we do strange things with that. But the reality is we see that God brings those things daily into our life. That's really the punchline of today. And we will visit that again. In this relationship, we are capable of the mission. Through relationship with the Father, we are capable of the mission. So say that the other way is without this relationship. And when I say without it, I'm not saying you don't have it. I'm saying if you're not operating in that relationship, you cannot carry out the mission. You cannot carry out the mission. You will not carry out the mission. Now, I'll show you how the church gets around that. The church works around that particular truth. We are sneaky like that. We have figured out a way around the truth so we can be truth-looking. It is harder for the individual. So I'm going to give you these five places the first one, this can be where a person is at. Convince me with the mission. This is our statement to God. Okay, so your love and your grace, your provision, your generosity, God, you know, before I can give these things, I need to experience them. You know, God, I have too many questions. You're not really showing me the God that I read about in the Bible. And so I'm not convinced. Convince me, I will serve you. Convince me, I will be a part of your mission. Give to me, satisfy my doubt, satisfy my needs, satisfy my desires, satisfy me. Because if you don't, I'm waiting. I will wait until you satisfy me. And so people stand on the sidelines sometime their entire life. Just a little bit away. A lot of us are in the church. We're sitting within a distance. Yes, but. I've heard people say that about me. Well, you're called. To what? I'm called into a relationship with the Father that changes everything. That's what I'm called to. Preaching is a sideline. It's a side gig. Teaching, that's a side gig. That's something that happens out of the call. If, if you're a human being, you are called. The Father has called you into restoring relationship with him that makes the mission possible in and through you. So you see, for those of us that live in the doubts, we live in the questions, and our questions rule us. Our questions control us. You see, we'd rather not be the fool who just believed. I'm someone who has to learn it on my own. I'm someone that it has to be proven to. You'll spend your whole life Supporting that sign. But you'll miss God. Many of us are in that place. And often it's because we have a lifestyle. We have things in our life we're not willing to give up. We are in charge of our life. We have things we don't want to give up, people we don't want to give up, places we don't want to give up, habits that we don't want to give up. There's always another question to put off the mission to tomorrow. But to put off the mission, I have to put off the relationship. You see, to put off God's mission, I also have to put off his relationship. That's, that's the twist here. To say, Tomorrow, on what God is doing in the world, I have to say tomorrow to God. You see, I'm not rejecting him. I'm just moving him to tomorrow. 
Because there's, today there's something I want. There's something I want. There's something I have a design on. So the mission goes to tomorrow. God goes to tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow. Because there's no urgency in the mission for me. Why? Because I'm on my mission. There's no urgency in God's mission for me. There's no relationship that I'm living in. The scripture says in Matthew 16, 4, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. You know, if you're waiting for God to answer your questions with absolutes, there is a story in the Bible that can be disturbing for us who are waiting. It's the story of the rich man. And the rich man dies suddenly. And he sees across the expanse. It's in a parable that Jesus tells. So the destitute man, the homeless man, the hungry man dies. The next day, the rich man who would not give him anything dies. And the rich man sees what a mistake he made. So he tells the people that he's talking to on the other side, he says, well, at least let me go back and warn my brothers. If I come back from the dead, they'll believe me. You hear what that's saying? If they get a sign, I mean, that's a sign, isn't it? Brother came back from the dead. That will, that will straighten it out. But here's the truth that was given to him. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets and the people of God, they won't believe you either. Wouldn't that be disheartening? If you came back to your family, to your loved ones, to warn with them and to share that with them and to find out only that they dismiss you as well, you become a part of the big question. Now you are one of those that, well, I, I, I couldn't have talked to my brother. He died two years ago. Uh, that was the chili cheese dogs. That was one too many, you know, peach bellinis, you know. There's a way to make that stuff have a question. What God is saying is, if you allow the question to be your God, it will rule you all of your life. Some of us are stuck right there. The next one is working in the mission. This is those of us enjoying the blessing of God, maybe in our own life, finding resources, maybe riches, maybe wealth, maybe success, family, comfort. A big word is comfort. Nobody, I mean, there's a few of us that are willing to say, I'd love to be filthy rich. There are some of us who, you know, we look at Bill Gates or we look at other people like that and we say, well, if I had their money, I would do this. But you see, when we have stuff, when we have stuff, when we have some world success, that means success that just comes from what the world looks at as you're doing well. And maybe you give God credit for that. Maybe you see, you know what? Thank you, God. I have a great job. I have a great family. I've got a great living. I live comfortably. I'm doing kind of what I want to do. I help out. I help out at the church. I do some right things. But are they giving love the way they've gotten love? Are they showing God's power by using power for others? Are they expressing kindness? Are they suffering? Are they sacrificing? Or is it out of their abundance they do good things? 
because that is kind of the secret hope of all of us. If I had enough to do great things and still have all the stuff I want to do the things I want to do. That's really kind of the Christian version of the American dream. I need to make enough money so that I can give generously and still have enough money to do everything I want to do. So I would love the gospel. Suffering and sacrifice are not really a part of my gospel. And these folks, as good as they look, they're stuck. They're stuck because the vision they work into, giving where they want to, being kind where they need to, living their life, and the mission is about God's goodness for them. God bringing his power, his blessing, his favor to them. You know that Satan accused Job of being the one working the mission. Satan said, yeah, Job loves you, but he loves you because of all the great things you're giving him. You've given him wealth, you've given him crops, cattle, children, family. I mean, who wouldn't worship and love you? Take that stuff away, he'll curse you to your face. What he was accusing Job of is, Job's just working the mission. He's just using the mission. He's taking the mission and gaining from it. What does it look like? 2 Samuel chapter 26, verse 16. Uzziah was a king. He was made king at 16 years old. And he said, it, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was a good king. As long as he followed the priest and the religious people who were telling him how to serve. The ones who served his dad. But when they passed away, he had built an empire. He had built towers and empires and huge armies and armies that were the most well-equipped armies in history. Verse 16, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see, part of the dilemma when we find the favor of the Lord is we lose our desperation for the Lord on a material level. When we're comfortable, we're comfortable. We're no longer at a place where we're seeking the Lord daily. We become deceived. It is my job. It's my company. It's the favor of my boss that fills my bank account. You see, it's now beyond God. God set it up, but now it runs on its own. The mission is now working for me. Do you see it? You see, in that, that daily connection with God that meets the needs for us to be a missional people is broken. We are also can be a people remembering the mission. We move on from a season of mission 
from a season of when we were involved and after that we got married or we had kids or we got divorced or whatever it is, we got a new job. A love interest. Or how about this? A sin lifestyle. Partying has become a better way of using my life. Hebrews 10, starting with verse 32. Remember those early days after you had received the light when you endured in great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. It's a remember the mission place. We have lots of stories, but they're not from today or yesterday or this week, not even last week. They're from before. They, we remember the mission. Sometimes we remember it favorably. Oh, I remember. And sometimes we remember it with a little bit of guilt, a little bit of regret. And finally, number four, this is where the church comes in. The mission can save. This is where we build a system that does what God does. We build a network. We construct a way of doing the justice of God, doing the work of God. You see, here is how the church can always look like the mission, but none of its people have to. See, if I can get you to volunteer once a week for two hours, that gives you a little connection with the mission. And I can get somebody else to volunteer a couple of hours, and now they're connected with the mission. And that keeps you from having to really have the mission in your life as you go live out your life in school or work or prison or wherever you happen to be. You see, that's a way that the church can look missional. We have this program. We have this program. We have this program. We feed the poor. We save the lost. We do this. We evangelize. We do all these things. We do tons of God things. We are righting wrongs. We are feeding the hungry. We are clothing those who are naked. We're doing lots of God things. We are missional. We put out a sign to all the world, come here, we are missional. And the people will come. And they may be really blessed by the missionality of your church. They may be really blessed, the same as they are with a nonprofit, the Salvation Army or somebody else. They might be really blessed, but they're not blessed from God. They're blessed from a system that affords them food. I'm not saying God isn't blessing them. I'm saying God isn't the hero. You see, because it violates the vision. The vision is that people would be reconnected with God. And that happens by you and I.
the church can create lots of missional things. And we can come into that thing. We could be missional for an hour, for a day, once a month, once a week. We can tell people about it. And maybe while we're there, we, we pray for people. We love all people. We tell them about Jesus. And my question would be, so what are you doing the other 200 and something hours a week? Are we missional? Because, see, for that person to be missional, there's not a construct, is there? There's not a system you can just walk into. This is your chair. People are going to come up right here, and you're going to hand out this right here. And if they want prayer, you can pray for them. You can love on them. You can do, invite them to church, whatever you want to do. This is your chair. It's for two hours every Saturday morning. You see, that's a construct. That's a way to plug in to the mission of God. But the way God intends for you to plug into the mission of God is for you to be connected with him through the Holy Spirit being in your heart and you live out your life and you walk out your days and in the secret places where strangers are, where you can be anybody you want to be, you light up the world in a missional way. And you bring the love of God, and you bring the power of God, and you bring the sacrifice of God, and you bring the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the kindness and the patience of God into that moment all by yourself with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the construct. Now, it doesn't make programs bad or wrong. What it says is, is that a program will never replace the people of God being missional in the Holy Spirit. No program will. It is why the world can do the program typically better than the church. Typically, the world does as good a job at reaching out to the needy as the church. You see, in this case, the vision actually becomes, I'm, the mission becomes the vision. That's the problem. You see, the end game is how many people did we feed? We were successful. How many people did we put clothes on? How many pairs of shoes did we give away? This is one of my great struggles with the concept of mission in the world. So often when people come to me and they want to be missional in Mexico, they want to take shoes, they want to take clothes, they want to take rice, and they want to take beans, and they want to go do these things. But there are 5,000 other churches doing that as well. But what Mexico gets at the end of the day is some rice and beans and some shoes. Now, if we come back and we say we were missional, God might say, toward what vision were you missional? Because his vision was not that we were going to feed the hungry. That was not his vision. His vision was not that we were going to build a house for someone. You will not find that in the Scripture. His vision is that they would be empowered and restored in right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And that they too would become power players, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit in their country, in their place, shining as an individual, active and connected into the effective vision of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we have been missional toward the vision of God. I got preachy there. I'm sorry. It's passionate to me. The mission will not save anybody. And if all we do is build systems and programs that do good things 
then people will like our systems and our programs. And they'll like our church because we feed people, because we love on people, because we're kind to people, because we help people. And if we're okay with that, then our real vision is that people experience kindness and shoes and food. That was our vision. We, um, we often get newsletters, different churches. They talk about missional works. And they will list how many tortas they gave out. How many bags of rice or beans they gave out. Their, their testimony sheet is about what they gave away. I think it grieves God that we sell out his vision for being missional. We stop short of life. Isaiah chapter 31 Verse 1, woe to those who go down to Egypt. And this is when Israel was going to Egypt for help. Egypt was a powerful country. They had a common foe. And so Israel was getting help from Egypt. Hey, you want to join our armies together and we can beat the bad guys. And God was like, where am I in that? I thought I was your protector. I thought I was your provider. I thought I was those things for you. Why are you going to Egypt? Who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Our call is to be missional in the world. Your world is wherever you live, whoever you're around, whatever you do. That's the place where you're missional. And as we said last week, you're fully equipped to be completely effective and missional wherever you are. The church can play. The church can have programs, but they will never replace you and I being truly devoted followers of Jesus who connect with Jesus through the Holy Spirit every day to pull in and to use the things of God to make a difference in the world. You see, if you and I embrace that truth for ourselves, for me, for you, we embrace that truth, then we can build a great program in the church. One that really has the potential of striking at the vision of God for the world. But we have to take caution. Because the challenge of that is that we have to keep it where it's actually engaged in the, in the truth that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can make us truly capable of division. History says that even those systems which really produce life and push toward the vision because that's who the people are, over time, over time, in that system, in that program, they are replaced with people who have known the success of the program, and they're good at the program. Many churches are bringing on staff people who are very good at administration. 
because administrative people can do a lot of great things with resources. They can organize and they can do all these things. It doesn't even matter if they're saved. You look at organizations. How many know the name William Booth? A few of you? Back in the 1840s, William Booth, a Methodist evangelist, was working in the poorest parts of London. He was preaching to the drug addicts, to the alcoholics, to the prostitutes, to the criminals. And he was being taunted, and he was being attacked, and he would come home from a day's work with a bloodied head and a, and a black eye and torn clothes. It was just another day at the office. Being powerful, being sacrificial, being forgiving, being accepting, being loving, and he was effective. And even back then, the slums of London were filled with organizations that were all racing and grabbing to compete to feed the, the hungry. When you cross the border into Reynosa, Matamoros, or Nuevo Laredo, you'll find you are not the only church or the only nonprofit that is competing for people to give stuff to. So today they're vineyard, tomorrow they're Baptist, the next day they're, you know, whoever. Peace Corps. William Booth started a Christian ministry to do what he did. And ultimately, that ministry became the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army is good at helping people. It's very missional, very helpful. Give somebody a place to stay at night. Give somebody some food, some clothes. Gives them some help with things. but it doesn't promote the vision of God. It promotes the mission of God. It promotes the mission of God, not the vision of God. And you can go to Salvation Army and get those things, never know anything about Jesus. And the problem is, the people that run the Salvation Army, and I'm talking about all the people, not necessarily a particular person, are not really in a place that they can share the gospel. And some of them don't know Jesus at all. But they care about poor people. They have a heart for the, for the mission because they see the mission as the vision. <clears throat> Dallas Willard says it something like this. He breaks it into a process. He said it happened even with the first century church. They build systems, they build mechanisms, and, and then after that, you don't need to connect with the Holy Spirit as much. You go over to that guy, and he's got a warehouse of stuff, and he gives you what you need, and then you don't really have to pray for food. You just go get it from the commissary. So we don't teach people to pray or to trust God. We teach them to come to the commissary. We don't teach them that their own lifestyle is destructive and God can bring transformation in that lifestyle, but we tell them to come and you can find a bed here and we'll help you get off of drugs. I mean, they'll give you a place to. He starts out, step one, the vision of God and of oneself in God inspires a combination of humility and great aspiration for God. And this combination leads to remarkable efforts in dependence upon God. 
Hear that? Dependence upon God. Remarkable efforts in dependence upon God. Great effects are achieved because God acts with efforts made in dependence upon him and for his sake. The effects take on their own life. The the positive effects take on their own life. And surrounding people see nothing but the effects, which indeed are very remarkable and worthy of support. But that's what they see. And that's what captures their eyes. And I want to capture your eyes. I know it's rain. I know you haven't seen it in like, I don't know, four years or something like that. It might even be Satan. It's not even red sun shining over here. It's just right there outside that window. What I was thinking is my windows are down. And then I thought, there's nothing that can be heard in my truck. See, the people find the results remarkable. But what people need is to know that God loves them and he pursues them. I want to, uh, this last point, Number five, the mission delivers the vision. This is living the vision through the mission. It's the vision becomes your focus. The vision becomes your goal. The vision becomes your understanding of the strike that God wants to achieve. Through that mission, in everyday work of the Spirit in you. That's the mission that delivers the vision. I want to have um, someone share with you something that uh, she shared with me, or several of us, I think, uh, earlier in the week. Um. Danny, here you go. This is Elizabeth. Um, like a week or so ago, my son saved our cat from a tree and in the process brushed up against some poison ivy. And he's highly allergic to poison ivy. So we went to the doctor and she prescribed steroids but said not to give it to him unless it got worse. So two or three days later, we were at church Sunday morning, and it was getting worse. It was in his eye. It was driving him crazy. It was inflamed, itchy. He said, we need steroids. So after church, we went and got him, but he didn't want to take him until the following morning in case he couldn't sleep. That night, he came to youth group, and a group of people prayed for him. And he came home that night super excited because people prayed for him, went to bed, woke up the next morning, ran in the living room, because he was completely healed. <laughs> Thank you. You hear that? Vision and mission collide. And who did it? Our youth did. Now, I know that they're called, but I don't know that they're any more saintly than the rest of us. Are you guys more saintly than the rest of us? No. So I, I don't think they see themselves as particularly righteous or in some way more effective. But they took a great risk, didn't they? And in that risk, God came. The power came. And because of that power, God was glorified. God's vision was accomplished. So, what I want you to know, I think this is about my windows.
<laughs> very saintly. If we really heard from God, we'd have known it was going to rain, and uh, so uh, <clears throat> most of us didn't think it would ever rain again. So, so here's where you land when you accept the person of number five. The mission delivers the vision. We become a people of the vision. And we use the mission to accomplish it. And we depend every day on the Holy Spirit. Every day we depend on the Holy Spirit that we could successfully execute the mission. Whether it's giving to someone, whether it's helping someone, whether it's enduring something. And knowing that the mission is always just this far away from becoming corrupt, from glorifying itself. The mission is always just this far away from corrupting itself and becoming the end game. And we fight that to keep the mission, the vision in place. There was a 16-year-old boy. He was uh, captured by pirates. He lived in the London area. He was carried away to a foreign place as a slave. And he lived there as a slave six years, and he had a vision. And all that time, God ministered to him, and he had a vision that it was time to go home. So he left. He escaped. And he went back home to London six years later. And then God sent him back as a missionary to the people who enslaved him. Most of, him know, most, most of us know him as St. Patrick, a great missionary, one who was very missional toward a vision. Now, do you see what we've done with that? Now we just drink green beer. We have parades. We wear leprechaun outfits. But you see, that was not what happened. That was not the point. And so he was visional. And in that, he was missional to accomplish the vision. The mission is just this far away from being corrupted. And it's you and I. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep the mission on course toward the vision. Does that make sense? It's you and I. Because what man wants to do is work the Holy Spirit out of a job. I would much rather have a lot of money and a lot of food and a lot of stuff so we can help a lot of people and still live very comfortably. What, here's, let me translate that for you. I really don't want to be desperate for God or anybody else. I would really like to just be comfortable. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically, every other way, I would really rather be comfortable. I don't want to need God. I don't want to. Why? Because it's work. It means I have to listen. We had a young man sleeping on our steps this morning when I showed up, a homeless guy. Now, you can look at, we got to get rid of the mess on the steps before people get here. You see, because that conflicts with the mission of church. Do we help him? Is he safe? All these kinds of questions. And then you go, maybe I should pray and ask God. There you go. Now we're getting novel. Now we're starting to get to a place where the Holy Spirit is drawing us. What is the Father doing this morning with this young man? So I need to stop what I'm thinking about, and all of a sudden my agenda gets all messed up because God has a different agenda. Because God is missional toward the vision, not just missional. Second Peter, chapter 1. 
You can start with three. I meant to, but we're picking up at four. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Translated, he has guaranteed you that his Holy Spirit will be with you. And that enables you to be supernatural, to be divine, to be like Jesus, and to overcome corruption that is pursuing you. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. It's saying, because that is true, make every effort to respond to it. Make every effort to allow that truth to be revealed in your life. Act upon this truth. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. I'm going to translate that since it looks like there's a whole list of things you're going to have to be adding. The Holy Spirit is capable of injecting all of that in you where and when it is necessary for you to be effective in mission toward the vision. Does that make sense? It's all there. Be intentional. Add on, connect with. Where are you going to add it from? Where are you going to get brotherly love? Where are you going to get that from? Right there, the source that has become resident in you. Get it. Ask for it. Why? Because the mission dictates and the vision needs the mission. Go for it. Be all of this stuff. Stop looking at that like that's a person you don't know. That's somebody else. No, that is not somebody else. That's you. That's me right there. That's, that's my story. It's your story. And it's God saying, I can do all of that in you. You watch and see. You invite me into the story unfolding in mission. You watch what happens. You point to me and you take the risk. I do the rest. Verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But for those who fail to develop in this way, are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You see, to not do this leaves you blind. If you would stand. 